This audio program may contain descriptions of violence and topics that may not be suitable for everyone. Please listen with caution. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. So this is take two. <laughs> that I was so upset because I really Me too. thought that maybe it like because sometimes it doesn't show like the volume or anything on my side. So I was like, oh, it probably just fucked up and never like switched over to record. But it yeah. was recording. And it said it was recording on mine. It was like an hour and 20 something minutes. Did yours record and just not my part or did nothing record? It was like only after we pressed stop. Huh. That was it. It was the weirdest thing. That is weird. Yeah. So anyway, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) And better than Um, ever. Back with the same stories that we've heard, but our lovely listeners have not heard. Nope. (laughs) Nope. And I have done our penance to our Patreon supporters. Okay. Because I released two fun sizes yesterday. I have to record some. I know I do. I just like... (laughs) I think tomorrow is, this is like one of the first weekends back from Christmas that like, I'm not picking up any extra shifts. I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think tonight I'm going to do research for our next episode. Well, more, I ha- I'm going to finish my research and then I'll do some research for some fun size. And then once I have them, recording them's easy. I just yeah, have to like yeah. do the research. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on another fun size just to have in the chamber. Yeah. I'm also researching for our next episode. I'm actually really into it. I did consider writing to this dude in jail, but I'm like, do I want to be Can that person? You send me the last name again because I already forgot. I knew it's, yes. it sounded like German or something, but I just don't want to um, research the His name is Richard Cottingham. Cottingham, okay. I just sent good. you his names just for good cool. measure. I'm deep into that. I also got the, uh, what is it? Is it the encyclopedia of like serial killers or something? Because mm-hmm. there's information about him in there. And I just generally mm-hmm. wanted to have it for some light reading. So, mm-hmm. you know. So that's kind of reading. Exactly. Light. light. Yeah. It's very I, comforting. <laughs> I'm slowly but surely reading that book, um, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Stories <gasps> in the Crematorium. Yes, I fucking uh, love Caitlin so, Dowdy. Yeah, I love her so much. I've gotten to like the second chapter, though, because I haven't been reading it a lot, but I've been yeah, a busy I've, lady. I've had a reading deficit lately, too. I had like three books that I planned on reading over the winter break, and mm-hmm. I've read like a chapter, so not I've, going great. Finally, I started reading the My Favorite Murder book mm-hmm. months ago. I finally finished it last night. Oh, yeah. Finally. It's been yeah. good. But, oh. Well, school just started last week. Yeah. And I, I actually really like this class, which I think will help me. Like, before, not only did I have to research for this or whatever and do class, but the classes were always draining because it was, like, analytics. And so I would yeah. just be brain exhausted afterwards. Yeah. But this class is digital storytelling. Oh. So I'm really actually excited for it. So I won't be as, like, brain exhausted so i'll have yeah more that actually, that sounds very interesting it is we just yeah. talked about the first like our first assignment was to talk about a brand that really speaks to you oh and so like i talked about the gillette ad that they did that was like mm-hmm. the best a man can get and the one some... your aunt hated yeah 
Yeah. And then someone brought up like the Dove ad that was like when they first came out with the Dove ad where they showed you could clean ducks with it, like from the oh, oil spill. Yeah. And how it was like uh-huh. such a big idea that like, oh, you could have ads that weren't like our company's better than this ad, you know. Or that yeah. was Dawn, not Dove, but whatever. Yeah, Dawn. Yeah, they still do that in their ads. They still show yeah. the ducks. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, Dawn, they're like, most of their ads, their slogan is tough on grease, soft on something else. But they're, yeah. their official slogan, like if you research it, is more than just dishes. Oh, yeah. I never knew that. In their, in their commercials, they're like, you could clean your car tire. You could clean a yeah, duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I recently saw one of their ads and it was for a whole bunch of purposes. Yeah. It's like yeah. you could do anything. Drink it. <laughs> yeah. It they recommend it that. It won't kill you. <laughs> if it won't hurt the ducks, it won't hurt you. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I went in for my skin removal surgery thing, mm-hmm. like consultation. Oh, yeah. And the doctor was like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a student right now. I'm going to graduate in a year. And he's like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, forensic psychology. And he goes, oh, really? So what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, well, mainly like, you know, cults and mass murderers and serial killers. (laughs) Like, those are my main areas of interest. And he was like, oh, (laughs) like, yeah. um, Yeah. And then he measured how far my nipple is from my collarbone. And it was the size of an average person's waist. So, you know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. My mom was like, weren't you like embarrassed? Like, weren't you, were you okay? Were you comfortable? And I was like, at this point, I just think of my body as a large ball sack. If they want to look at it, that's fine. I don't want to look at it. Well, also, it's like clinical. It's like, look, you need exactly. the surgery. It's like a surgery you really want. So you're not going to be like, no, you have to look at me naked. Then no, it's like, yeah, look how bad it is. Now fix it. Yeah. I was like, doc, look, my thigh looks like a scrotum. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Can you help me? <laughs> yeah. Please. He was like, yeah, that, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, When's your surgery for? So I'm going back in April for just to check where I am and then right after school gets out it should happen because I need to do an externship this summer and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have to be in bed for a couple weeks yeah so um I'm sore it's gonna hurt yeah I'm going to actually I won't be able to straighten they say that I'm gonna have to be hunched over for like a week and a half so that there isn't strain on the incision. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the first surgery, they're going to do the fleur-de-lis, which is all stomach, abdomen area, and either my thighs or my underarms. And then for the second surgery, they're going to do a, and it is called this, a back roll excision, and e- whichever one I didn't get done, thighs or underarms, and my breasts. So That'd be fun. Yeah. He was like, you got, you have like good volume there i'm like i know i got the meat you know (laughs) there's just a lot of skin so you can't see that i have the meat (laughs) they're just all the way down to my belly button (laughs) they really point towards the ground they're like pendulums (laughs) i am slowly losing weight and yeah i was like yeah because i'm working out and eating healthy and it's awful and i hate it and yeah it's um everyone's like but don't you feel so much better eating healthy it's like no no i feel awful all the time yeah even my body is revolting against me it's like (laughs) why are you doing this yeah so like i have no energy it's like i'm getting sick is what i feel like but Mm -hmm. i'm not getting sick i'm just not eating yeah i mean i ate but it doesn't it's weird because you go through withdrawal of like all the stuff you usually eat yeah so that really takes a toll I mean, how yeah. long does withdrawal take? It's awful. 
They say that 23 days of like no sugar, and then it's fully out of you. Well, it's not even like I'm craving sugar. It's just, mm-hmm. I guess my stomach like expanded to be able to fit the enormous volume of food I've been yeah. shoveling in. And so like it's it's slowly starting to shrink again. But for the first like two weeks, it was really large, but I wasn't putting that much food into it. So I was just always like, give me hungry. Food. Yeah. But like I've been eating 1600 calories. So it's not like I'm eating nothing. It's just, yeah, yeah. I'm sure 2000 less calories than I normally was eating because I was eating awful. <laughs> but I've lost like 15 pounds. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's been more yeah. than two weeks. It's been 25. Well, like 20 <laughs> days. 20 days. Yeah. I've been losing yeah. a pound a day, basically. That's awesome, though. Almost. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Human bodies are trash. They are. Um, we should yes. just be brains with eyeballs. Yeah. We need to um, just. What what's that phrase? Something this mortal. No, so, something shed this mortal coil. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Yeah. Um, speaking speaking of which, <laughs> segue. Um, we're doing hauntings. Oh yeah, but wait, I had something yeah. to tell you. Something sure. has happened between this recording and the last recording. Oh God, what? I watched the show The Circle. Have you seen it? No. Watch it. What is it? It is a reality show on Netflix. So it starts out with like seven people, I think, but the number kind of changes throughout. And it's seven people. They're in like each in a hotel room, basically, that's been like decorated really nicely or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the whole reality show is social media. So you never get to see anyone's face and you talk through like text chats and then like you do different challenges, like a superlative award. So like who's most likely to die in the zombie apocalypse or whatever. (laughs) And at the end of every week, the players have to rank each other from worst to best. Like, I like them the best. I like them the worst. And the top two players get to decide who goes home that week. And then a new player comes in. And then at the end, the the person who everyone votes on they like the most wins Mm -hmm. $100,000. Oh, my gosh. But some people, they say at the beginning of the show, they're like, you can also catfish, though. So if you think people aren't going to like you, You can be a total catfish if you are. And so there are people who are like playing as their girlfriend or something like that. So like they're prettier or they're better looking or younger or whatever. It's insane. It it sounds like you're like, oh, okay. But then after like the second episode, you're like, I got to see what happens. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try that. Some of the players are really, really cool. There's this um, Indian player whose his name is Shabam. Mm-hmm. and he is like the best person you've ever met in your whole entire you see him at first and you're like this guy's kind of nerdy and like i don't know how to feel about him he hates social media apparently but then mm-hmm. every time he gets like a score anytime anyone's like oh i like him or whatever he's like oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> he's funny. so cute yeah and he creates it is... virtual reality for a living i was like holy shit oh wow yeah it's pouring here so i will definitely stay yeah. in and watch that yeah, it's good so you start, yes. I believe. Yes. I so. The first time we recorded this, I was t- talking about how the guys at That Spooky had done two lighthouse stories. Mm-hmm. And I did listen back. It was not the Woo-woo! story you're doing. Suck it, That Spooky. How many fucking <laughs> lighthouses? <laughs> There's like 50 lighthouses in every coastal state and they're all haunted. All of them. So, yeah, like, it's impossible to have not alone, haunted. I feel like in Maine, you could stand in one lighthouse and see another lighthouse. And you're like, Probably. okay, you don't need this many. <laughs> How many lot ships of... are coming into Maine? 
There's a lot of jagged rocks. No one. You need one on every rock. (laughs) One on every rock. Yeah, basically. And there's always like beaches nearby in Maine, Mm -hmm. at least, and the beaches are like really pebbly and gross. And you're like, this is not what I thought it'd be when I read. Yeah. You know, lighthouse about or whatever. Lighthouse Weekly. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't show the rocks. Yeah, no. You would assume that there would be if it's the lighthouse. If they had to put one there, there's probably rocks. Yeah, they usually don't put one on like a real sandy, quiet beach. There's not a lot on like the coast of Mexico. No, No? or like in the Caribbean. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there weren't any at Turks and Caicos. No, I don't remember seeing a single lighthouse. (laughs) Although it'd be cute. It would be. It would be very cute. (laughs) Just for fun. I'll contact their government. (laughs) It's an aesthetic lighthouse. Yeah. You can have like a fun restaurant inside. Exactly. It'll be an attraction. (laughs) Yeah. And but it will still be haunted. Yep. We'll slaughter a few dozen people near it just so it gets those good ghosts. It has those high-class imported ghosts. It'll be the freshest haunted lighthouse. Yeah. Like, Ooh, these are fresh ghosts. <laughs> They're super angry. <laughs> oh, this will make for a great, great lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm doing the St. Augustine Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And now you get to listen to the St. Augustine Lighthouse history once again. I know. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, so a, a little history on the St. Augustine Lighthouse. It was It's in Florida, obviously, mm-hmm. St. Augustine. And it was established by the new territorial American government in 1824, when America wasn't even 100 years old. So it's just a little baby Aww. country. Baby it was the country. first thing. They were like, we need racism. And we need lighthouses, people. Let's and cotton. Go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And cotton. Yep. Early lamps in the first tower burned lard oil, and there were multiple lamps with silver reflectors. But eventually, these were pl- replaced by giant lens instead in the eighteen 18- in eighteen fifty five. So at first, I guess it was just like a bunch of lanterns with fire. Yeah, kind and of reflecting, <laughs> like reflecting off of mirrors or something. Yeah, yeah. To like, yeah. Then like the janky. It sounds <laughs> like a bad lighthouse, but I guess when there was nothing, it wasn't like they had LED and also this lighthouse with reflectors. But true. I mean, I guess its only job was to be seen far enough away that a ship could turn. Crash. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like if there were like glass shields covering it i guess mm-hmm. which would help against like rain because i'm thinking like if it was windy or rainy yeah it had know. to have been enclosed but maybe it never rains there because it's beautiful florida is it it's near true. disneyland i don't think so it I never feel... rains at disney yeah that's not true um <laughs> it rains children's tears um <laughs> but i feel like it's near where oh like no on the it... other side of of the so like in the it's... mexican gulf it's a little bit south of Jacksonville. So it is upper Florida. Ugh. It's between Jacksonville and Daytona Beach. Oh, no. <laughs> See, I was going to say, is it down near the Keys where, like, Robert where the Doll's from? Like, yeah. Or, like, in that Gulf area with, like, yeah. Destin or whatever. That's but... where I was imagining it, too. But no. it's actually... It's it in is... the worst part of Florida. It is closer to being in Georgia than it is to Orlando. Huh. Yeah. I feel like that should be a different state. <laughs> Probably. And we could call it, like, don't live here. <laughs> don't like, go. Or, like, if you live here, you shouldn't. I don't know. No, it, <laughs> That's just like, Yeah. It's just, like, 
one of those places where when I I feel like if, when I've driven through, mm-hmm. every time I have you like you can sense it. Your like head picks up and you're like, oh, we're by Daytona. Yeah, I can smell it in the air. We all have See, Daytona sensors. I have never been to Daytona, so I have no idea. I've only heard tell of it, but that's there's where she lives. Track and like five WalMarts. Yeah, and there's like a boardwalk of some kind. Yeah. That's all it I know is, because there it's so weird because all these places are right by the beach and yet mm-hmm. they're never a place that people visit. Like if you're like, ooh, I'm going, I'm I'm going on vacation to the beach, no one's ever like, oh where? And you're like, Daytona. Like <laughs> no one ever goes there for yeah. vacation. <laughs> even though the beach is right there. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on the coast. And apparently so is this haunted lighthouse. The racetrack doesn't go up there. No. <laughs> it's where the um, racetracks don't go. You, can, you it would be cool if you could climb to the top of this historic lighthouse and see the racetrack. The racetrack, yeah, what a great view. <laughs> That's what everyone wants to see. So, at the beginning of the Civil War, the future mayor, Paul Arnoux, a local harbor master, along with a lightkeeper and a woman named Maria de los Deleros Mestre. It's a long name. I feel yeah. like I said Maria last time. <laughs> um, they removed the lens from the lighthouse and hid it. <laughs> what kind in, of in order to block senior prank is this? <laughs> They're like, we don't want the Union ships to know there's a lighthouse here. So we're going to hide the light so they can crash and die. So, but this is when it's like electric, right? It's not electric. So instead of like a bunch of lit lanterns and a bunch of pieces of glass that reflect off of reflectors Uh uh-huh it's like a big lantern well i think there's quite a few still but it's a big lens that in the lens it's created with a reflective material so it reflects the light for it so instead of like a bunch of little pieces Uh it's just one big one now but it's not electric it's still the civil war okay so so i just don't know what they're stealing i imagine them stealing like a giant light bulb well, they're stealing the lens, the glass part that's oh. reflective. And so even when you light the, like you lit the can or the lanterns, there was nothing to reflect it out into the sea. Okay. So by the time they saw that there was a lighthouse there, they would have already it would been, be too it late. Would have been okay. too late. Okay. Got it. What dicks? They love their slaves though. Yeah. Guess what? You lose. <laughs> In the feel? end. Yeah. After our new was captured by union forces, the lens was recovered and obviously put back where yeah. it needs to go after like a bunch of people died. Yeah, a little bit too late, but still. Yeah, I mean, it was a good plan, I guess. My thought process was like, what if it's not Union ships? <laughs> what yeah, if what it's if it's any ship? other ship? So in 1870, beach erosion threatened the first lighthouse. So they ended up building a second lighthouse and they built what's called a jetty. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, um, to protect the old tower. And in 1874, the new tower was completed. And so from now on, what I'm talking about, the lighthouse, it means is the new one. one. Okay. And when this new lighthouse was completed, the first Fresnel lens was put on it, which I'm not sure what a Fresnel lens is, Mm -hmm. but it's new and improved. So, holla at your boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it was lit for the first time in October of that year by the keeper, William Russell. And Russell would be the only person who was the keeper in the old tower and in the new tower. Oh, so. so a Fresnel lens 
is a uh-huh. succession of concentric rings, each consisting of an element of a simple lens. So it's just like a bunch of circles within circles within circles put together. Gotcha. So like yes. what you what a lighthouse lens kind of looks like now today. Exactly. Like it's a um, it's meant specifically to reflect refract light gotcha. yeah what the fuck kind of lens was on it before just a just, window screen yeah exactly <laughs> so um for 20 years the site was manned by headkeeper william a harn of philadelphia mm-hmm. and his wife kate and their six daughters anything to get out of philly <laughs> i mean for real they were like we have six kids but they'll fit if we stack them on top of each other that's yeah, what they, they figured they made the steps yeah so they just like laid down and you could walk uh-huh. up them you needed uh, all of them though to get up so well it was, it was kind hard of like a ladder situation actually so one grabbed the one's ankle uh, and then the other one climbed up and grabbed those person's ankle and then the the father would climb up and then pull yeah, them all that- up that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it really worked. And yeah. gosh, great forearms on that family. <laughs> so um, the family was known for serving lemonade outside on their porch. And Weird, but okay. Yeah, it was. So, But they were like known by the whole town. They were like, they're so cute. Look at them living mm-hmm. in that lighthouse. Well, they did have like a house attached. You know, there's like the keeper's quarters and then like the lighthouse, which yeah. is bullshit because I really always thought that that they lived in the lighthouse. They lived in the lighthouse. Like on yeah. the bottom floor, there'd be like a bed and a stove mm-hmm. and like a peephole. Yeah, that's what you think air. about when you think of like the lonely lighthouse keeper. Yeah. Like living in the bottom of the or lighthouse. Like, or, like, some lighthouses, I think the keeper's house is, like, kind of attached. So, it's, like, a square mm-hmm. bottom. And then it Yeah, I've up. seen that. But mm-hmm. I think this one this one was separate. So, you couldn't, like, walk from the, you know. I okay. mean, you could walk from one to the other, but they weren't. You'd have to go joined. outside. Yeah. They, yeah. Unless they built an underground tunnel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Wikipedia didn't tell me about it. So No, it didn't it. get into detail. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hush-hush. Um, yeah. So, on August 31st, 1886... The earthquake caused the tower to sway violently, but there was no real damage from that. And okay, but why is it fucking swaying? Yeah, That's at this time they still had does. lamp. They still yeah. had lamp too. What so, the fuck? yeah, it really doesn't. That doesn't really matter to my story at all. But I just saw it and was like, okay, so it's not that well built. Yeah, right, we'll put that little detail this into there. This is a there. fucking leaning tower of Pisa over here, but yep. with fire. <laughs> Um, so during World War II, Coast Guard men and women trained at the, in St. Augustine, and they used the lighthouse as a lookout post for enemy ships and submarines, which apparently often frequented that coastline there. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1907, indoor plumbing finally reached the lighthouse. Yay! Huzzah! And in 1925, the lighthouse was fully electrified. <laughs> okay. Finally. Finally. We've done it. <laughs> and it was completely automated by 1955. Cool. Um, yeah. So as the light was automated, positions for three keepers slowly dwindled down to two and then one. And then by the 1960s, no longer did the lighthouse family stay in the lighthouse because the person who like ran it never really had to be like, you know, they only didn't had to be there for a few hours a day. Really, they didn't have to. It kind of just ran itself. They were just there for a show, I think. Yeah. For historical and ghost purposes, I'm mm-hmm. sure. They're like, well, let's keep one because 
if he <laughs> dies, it could probably make a good story in a few years on a okay podcast that someone records in their closet. Exactly. And that's why they're there. So <laughs> it's come full circle. <laughs> Eventually, the lighthouse was declared surplus, and the county that it resided in bought it in 1970. So now the, the county lighthouse owns it. Is, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that year, the lighthouse suffered a devastating fire in the hands of a still unknown arsonist. Arsonist. I said that That's weird. weird. It didn't say anyone was injured or anything, but there was a lot of damages and stuff. And it was crazy. But yeah, it's never been solved. That's so Probably weird. The ghost. ghost definitely did it. Bit of a fire bug. Yep. <laughs> so today, the St. Augustine Light Station consists of the 165-foot tower and the second one. And mm-hmm. the keeper's house, it also holds two summer kitchens added in 1886, which I think are like outdoor kitchens, is oh, what they're okay. trying to imply. It also has a Coast Guard's barracks and a garage that was built in 1936 huh. uh, for World War II purposes for like Jeeps and stuff. Yeah. And the site is also home to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration weather station. Oh, that's cool. Sounds fun. No. Yeah. One. No, so. I love Noah. They're the ones that do that where you can track Santa. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> so I read all of this information on Wiki and I was like, okay, great. I do want a little bit of the history. You know, let's know what, what, what's been happening there. But where are the ghosts? Yes. Where Wiki are they? Wiki did not they? talk about the ghosts. Oh. They um... left that and the underground tunnel that I've completely made up <laughs> off their records. How convenient. So, but if you Google this lighthouse the first page that comes up or one of the first pages that comes up is the government page and in that page it talks about how fucking haunted it is okay at least the government's honest (laughs) yeah they're like no 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 it's it's real trash um yeah (laughs) so inside the lighthouse and around the property many are often spooked by strange and eerie events that they cannot explain Staff mm-hmm. members say that they lock the door at the top of the tower each night before leaving. Yet the next day when they arrive to work, the door is always open. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which I do not like that. That's just not safe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a lighthouse. What's in there? Why are they locking doors? Well, it's just probably so no riffraff can get up. Oh, but if they lock the top door, like if they lock the bottom door... Like, who's climbing up the side of the lighthouse to get to the unlocked top door? Is true, what I'm true. Or are they, is it a helicoptering in situation? Like a parachuting down? Absolutely. <laughs> you know those birds. Can't trust them. <laughs> oh, those fucking bald eagles. We got to get yeah. them extinct fast because they are taking over the lighthouses. They're a threat um, to all of our lighthouses. They really are. The lighthouse staff also reports that chairs have been moved and overturned and that various items in the gift shops would go missing only to reappear later in like strange places. You know, it wasn't like, oh, it's actually on Jerry's desk. What a thief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jerry's the worst. <laughs> oh, my God. He's always stealing stuff and blaming it on the ghost. <laughs> Visitors of the lighthouse also report catching glimpses of a young girl dressed in period clothing peering out of the lighthouse door or standing near an upstairs window. So period clothing is in from when she died or like what I wear when I'm on my period, which is like sweatpants. Like give me childhood or I'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I think they mean like old timey. Messy bun, crying slightly. Yeah, yeah. She's like holding half of me eating chocolate bar, and she's like, yeah. "I fucking hate this place." I told my mom I didn't want to come here. I was on my period. She made me come. 
And then I went into anaphylactic shock from the peanuts in this chocolate bar, and now I'm dead. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Good job, Mom. The lighthouse <laughs> was so interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. So cool. I love your steps. <laughs> In 2009, a cell tower technician actually took a photo of his co-workers with a lighthouse in the background, and they seemed to have caught this young girl in the long dress mm -hmm. and her long hair standing alone on the top of the observation deck. Yeah, so this like, picture's fucking crazy. Yeah. She's standing out and they don't they weren't like they don't let anyone out there apparently unless they're on a tour and there's only one person on the observation deck. So it doesn't mm -hmm. look like there's a whole tour of people. So it's not like, oh, they just the person's blurry or moving or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like a girl in a long dress with black hair, it looks like. Peering yeah, but out it's, into the ocean. It like definitely looks like a person and not something else. Like Yeah, it's not like whatever. a smudge on the lens yeah. or anything. Like but also it kind of looks like the girl from the grudge uh-huh absolutely which is horrifying to me because that is one movie i saw it one time when it first came out and i will not rewatch it because it terrifies me it's the worst movie ever when she goes under the that's the part that always gets me because they like crawl you're expecting them to crawl up the bed and so she hides under the covers and then they crawl mm -hmm. under the covers uh, sorry it's just yeah. like god uh. personal space ghost <laughs> um, but then in the end they were murdered by like the, it's ugh, everyone go watch the grudge but also maybe don't um so the ghost of the young girl seems friendly and doesn't really engage directly with visitors mm -hmm. unfortunately there are less pleasant ghosts making themselves known at the lighthouse including a figure that people call the man in blue mm -hmm. guess why they call him that because he's, he's in blue yeah you're so smart <laughs> so the specter terrifies many who have worked and lived in the house. He even is known to follow them down the 219 stair staircase oh from gosh. the top of the tower. That's just and too so, much like, cardio. Yeah. And there was this story about how there was a new guy who was like working and he didn't know about the ghosts or like, I guess, didn't know details about any of them. And he was working and he saw this guy at the top of the tower up there as well by the door, I guess. And the guy was staring at him. So he ran down the steps and he, the guy was following him. So he thought until he reached the bottom and that ghost disappeared, he was like, there is a man chasing me down. Yeah. How terrifying. How, oh, my God. Oh, he probably quit that day. No. <laughs> I would. <laughs> and one lighthousekeeper was so unnerved that he refused to stay in the lighthouse or work in the lighthouse any longer. And so a Coast Guard, like this was back when the Coast Guard still was there. Mm -hmm. he switched duties with him because i guess he didn't believe in ghosts but then the ghost guard was interviewed later when so eventually taps comes in and mm -hmm. like and they interview a bunch of people or whatever and in one article i found he was like oh no it's definitely haunted i just wasn't <laughs> afraid like i never yeah. saw anything that scared me mm -hmm. so i guess the man in blue is like well i'll let the coast guard guy come <laughs> he's just doing his job he's just you know him yeah um so it seems there's all these different ghosts and there's a lot of crazy energy there. Like it just never, like it doesn't feel right. It's kind of a saddened place. Mm -hmm. Even though Noah's there tracking Santa. Um, <laughs> yep. And it's for a number of reasons. So it seems silly, but I do have to point out that there were obviously a bunch of shipwrecks there. Yeah. And so a bunch of people died there, which could mm -hmm. create a ton of bummer energy. And yes. <laughs> and those big are just bummer energy yeah that's what i yeah big bummer energy and 
that's just from the ones we know of because before the lighthouse was there had to be enough accidents where someone was one day like should we maybe like put something here because mm-hmm. everyone is dying yeah and it's a real crashing. big bummer yeah <laughs> before that there were probably a shit ton of other shipwrecks that we don't even really know about so some people think those are the ghosts or that's mm-hmm. at least attributing to the bad energy there like the feeling of just like dread yeah. from you know people dying which i guess you know makes sense also in times of war some of the ships were like purposely caused which could maybe make some ghosts angry yeah but you know if you didn't know how to swim it's your fault (laughs) yeah back then (laughs) it was just like oh well (laughs) oh well they're right off the coast that's what i i I really wish i knew more about like because i'm picturing Okay, so, like, the lighthouse I went to in Maine, Mm -hmm. it, like, doesn't need to be a lighthouse anymore because of beach erosion. So you go there and you're like, really? Because the rocks are so close to the lighthouse that are like, well, if they just crashed into this, wouldn't they just be able to walk out, like, literally walk into the beach? But back in the day, it was, like, very cliffy and there was a lot of rocks out in sea and now there's not really anymore. Yeah. But I wonder how it is there. Like, I wonder if it's, like, because I've seen pictures, it doesn't look that bad. But apparently there's, like, almost like big huge cliff rocks yeah i guess if you hit those fast enough too oh yeah and your ship just breaks apart or you get flung Mm -hmm. from it and it's just a big mess should have worn their seat belts um (laughs) yes they're ship belts (laughs) (laughs) i like that they're not called seat belts when you're on a ship no they're not because it's no longer holding your seat yeah holding your ship it's your ship (laughs) um (laughs) So, also, there are some other reasons why there might be some ghosts. Apparently, one of the lighthouse first keeper was a name named Peter Rosmussen. He was known for his meticulous eye and watchful manner of maintaining the lighthouse. He was also known for his love of cigars and is one of the most popular ghosts that people report coming into contact over the years because they don't, this ghost, they don't really see a whole lot, but a lot of people smell his cigar burning, mm. like, all the time. Peter apparently hung himself in the tower like he basically on one of the really high steps tied a rope to it tied it around his neck and then jumped off the steps mm-hmm. so he was hanging inside the tower which yeah. is just like that's uh, also what a brutal way to go yeah uh, it kind of reminds me of um what's that movie that's kind of bad the one about birthdays Happy birthday. Where she she's in the hospital and she ties she literally ties a rope around her or like the the rope to the bell. She's in like a cathedral, like the cathedral in a hospital. She uh-huh. ties it around her neck oh. and then she jumps off the steps so that she dies. Happy death day? Happy death day, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's probably a lot like that. Okay. Yeah. Except oh. for he didn't come back as a hot teenager. No. Um, <laughs> he just left uh, Although, cigar smoke. I don't know. Maybe he did. That's the thing, right? We just don't know. We don't. No one can say. There's also another keeper, Joseph Andrew, who the St. Augustine Examiner reported on December 5th, 1859. Joseph Andrew was painting the tower when the scaffolding failed and he fell 60 feet to his death. Oh, my gosh. Uh, That's I like wonder the if he finished worst. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> he like, falls, dies, and then someone looks up and is like, 
but he only had like a little bit left yeah it's like, do we try it again that's horrible it's really gonna bother me though if it doesn't get painted if we leave it would it be disrespectful to his memory to paint over it like uh, and now do we have to paint over the blood that splattered on the ground like what do we yeah. do here mm. um the article also reported that he died in the line of duty which <laughs> i mean kind of yeah it just seems a bit like a bit much. Like, they didn't have anything to say, so they were like, we gotta say something. Well, he did die in the line of his duty. It's yeah. Normally, Usually when... reserve that for people who die in combat. Like, combat, or, like, police officers, but... Yeah. <laughs> I guess, really, anyone can use it. <laughs> yeah, as long as they were doing their job. Many believe him to be the so-called man in blue because of the sudden way he died. Mm-hmm. People think that perhaps he's unaware of the time change and the passing time and he believes that the people he sees are trespassers and so he's trying to like get them to leave the property yeah that's why he's so mean to them Mm -hmm. one of the worst tragedies that ever happened on the lighthouse was on july 10th 1873 this was during construction of the new tower and so the old tower was like you know hanging out chilling and then there was Mm -hmm. like a gap of water and then the land of florida itself and where the new tower was being i guess and so to get supplies to the old tower instead of like always loading up a rowboat and like rowing out there and then having the dock and whatever they just built like a line of a track and Mm -hmm. put like a cart on the track and then they'd wheel it back and forth like a tiny tiny railroad yeah um and so the foreman's children were playing on the supply cart that ran on the tracks. They were like inside one of the carts and playing in it when the cart hit the gate. So before you got to the lighthouse, there was like a little gate and mm-hmm. like normally it was open, but it closed for like security reasons. And I think to help stop the water erosion a little bit. And when the cart hit the gate, it capsized and turned over in the water. But because it was still attached to the railroad, like they couldn't, they were too close to the bottom of the sea to be able to swim out. Mm. And so the cart filled with water. Oh, um, no. The two youngest children, Edward and Carrie Petit, survived. But the two oldest, Eliza and Mary, drowned in front of their siblings. Holy shit. Yeah. The lesser known part of the story is that there was another child involved. A 10-year-old African-American girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she was reported in multiple articles at the time. But her name was never recorded, and so Mm -hmm. it's been lost to history. But they do know she was there that day, and that she was probably one of the staff's children, and that she also died. And so they people obviously believe the oldest child is the woman they see on the lighthouse all the time. Mm -hmm. But she seems nice, at least. So maybe she's not angry. Maybe she's not Bummer City like all the other ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. So... With so much ghost happenings, like I said before, Taps eventually goes to the lighthouse in 2005. On the episode of Ghost Hunters, the main stars of the show, Jason and Grant, dubbed the lighthouse complex the Mona Lisa of paranormal sites. Weird comparison, but okay. Yeah. I yeah. I did not watch the episode. I read an article that goes through the episode, like, literally detail by detail. Mm-hmm. So there might have been more to that sentence that she cropped out to be funny, because I think it's also a funny quote to yeah. compare. But I do love, I will say, don't get it twisted, sister. I love <laughs> Ghost Hunters. It's a great yeah. show. It completely lies. They lie. 
<laughs> I'm sure of it, but it's really entertaining and they do it so well. Uh-huh. Just like around, you know, around Halloween, whatever, you're like setting up stuff or whatever. You just throw some of those on. It's fun. Although there is this, okay, this is a total side note, but <laughs> the scariest episode of Taps, there, I think it's like a, um, what's that called? It's like a factory that's run by water. So it has like um, those big wheels. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's one of those type things. It's completely abandoned. Obviously, everything Taps does is in an abandoned place. But (laughs) so underneath is like a cellar and they're not jails. I don't think I can't really remember. But there's like a door and then near the door is like a window. It looks like barracks almost, but Uh there's no like glass or anything from the windows. Like it's so old that they didn't have glass. It was just like an open door frame and, you know, Mm -hmm. so and they're completely empty and they're walking through and the camera turns to ask. It wasn't one of the main stars. It was like, but it was a guy who was always on the show. They turn to ask him a question like, ooh, because he was always scared of things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they're like, ooh, how do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. And they turn to ask him it. And behind him in the window as they're walking by is a man's face. <gasps> oh, no. And they call on camera. And the camera guy freaks out. And so does the guy next to him. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, my God. And they play it back. And there's a man's face in the window. Oh, my it's- gosh. If they faked it, it was great. Well yeah. done. Great acting. If That's not, it was crazy. also great. Like, it was a crazy episode. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but that wasn't here. Um, <laughs> but in this episode, they, in one part, they're, like, looking into the woods, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, because obviously there's, like, woods nearby, you know, mm-hmm. trees. They see a woman. There's a picture of it, too. There's a woman, like, in white, the same one it looks like that's peering into that ocean in that picture uh-huh. that's like halfway behind a tree and it's just like in the back like they didn't notice it while they were filming it was like when they do that review part and they're like let's mm-hmm. see what we got yeah she's just like chilling in the but it's not like she's playing hide and seek she's kind of just living her best life and then yeah. she disappears that's also crazy yeah um, and they believed her to be the oldest daughter who drowned um, okay and then other than that i mean they do so at the beginning they hear like typical ghost noises which they probably just like film before him them like yeah. knocking on the wall and then play it over but they go into the lighthouse and they go to look up to just be like this is the lighthouse look up there blah 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 and they see a old man well let's not call him old i don't <laughs> i don't know his age per se but it looks like a man appears to be leaning through the railing over the steps and then he disappears Mm-hmm. So he like peeks out, you see him yeah. peek out and then disappear. Yeah, that picture is crazy. Yeah, there's a picture of that too. And I'm sure you could like find a clip of it yeah. or something, but mm-hmm. it's crazy. And it definitely looks like a person. The only way they would have been able to fake it is if they had a person up there already, which I'm not saying they could or did or didn't, but it is very realistic. Yeah, it really looks like a person's head and shoulders. Yeah. The spokesman of the lighthouse, Shannon O'Neill, said, When the ghost hunters came, they ended up gathering the most evidence of anywhere else in town. This really got people interested. Some really hardcore ghost hunters travel a long way just to come here and see what's going on. She said before the lighthouse offered after-hour tours, other ghost tours were driving by and selling the lighthouse's story. And so that's where she came up with the idea of offering ghost tours for people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because she was like, well, if they're doing it, then why don't? We just do it and yeah. make money for it. In an effort to not be too gimmicky, the tour guiders are not dressed as reenactors and nothing jumps out or artificially scares people. 
good. And it's basically just a deep history lesson and in like a eerie atmosphere, obviously, because it's like an old lighthouse and people died there. But mm-hmm. it's also completely in the dark. Only the, oh. the only the guider has a candle. And people say like some crazy stuff happens on the tour. People say that they like when they go up. So you can only get to the guardrail. I mean, this is what they said in an article, but yeah. you can only get to the guardrail if you're with a group. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure, I don't think they just let people out there because it's dangerous up at the top of the lighthouse. And when they're in groups, people have to hold each other's hands oh. because people feel the like some people say they get the sense to like jump off the tower. What? That's crazy. Yeah. Insane. That's horrible. Um, yeah. So everyone holds hands just so that doesn't happen. Also, it's dark. So, you know, maybe hold mm-hmm. each other's hands so no one gets lost in the dark. That too. Safety first, people. Mm-hmm. I'm sh- I'm sure there's like lanterns on the way. And there has can, to be something with all the steps. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they're like lit up with fucking asbestos or something. Um, <laughs> in the tour, you also get to go into the keeper's house and learn about how the family lived there and all the, you know, they talk about all the wars and all that stuff. But you know it's yeah. about the ghosts it's more so o'neill says it's a balance between keeping people interested and keeping things historic the admission fees help keep the interactive museum going and fund new exhibits many people now have a theory that it's the light itself that draws so many people to the spot and that keeps the ghosts there because the light to this day is still in use oh wow so yeah the lighthouse so still it's fully functional today. yeah mm-hmm. The light's always on. Wow. And so they think maybe that, yeah, maybe that's why people, ghosts either can't move on or maybe that's what's drawing ghosts there or making them feel comforted. Also, I mean, I'm sure they've like repainted it, but it's the same exact like color and everything. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are like, maybe they literally don't know time has been changing. Yeah. Because they're in the same place. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. And that's the St. Augustine ghost. Ooh, very spooky. Yeah. And also... There was a lot of things that talked about, um, what's it called? The forgotten ships or the lost ships or something. Now I forget. And I've mm-hmm. already gotten off of my article. But <laughs> it's basically like the ships that crashed that no one knew about or like that history didn't know about or that weren't reported and all the people who have died from them. Mm-hmm. And it's like a whole big thing about how that's why it's really really haunted and that's like there are some cases of people getting scratched and like pushed into the water oh like, if you stand by the water some people get pushed in or pulled in uh-huh. and people think the malice ghosts like the really bad ones are all the people who have died and that history has like literally just forgotten about yeah and they just attribute everything to the ghosts they know about yeah and so yeah. there are people who like you, you know it's one of those things where like you can find a thousand things online and on reddit that are like yeah i got scratched but there's like pictures of people getting scratched doors have been closed in people's faces people have been pushed on the steps really crazy shit that's like not as friendly as just seeing a woman in the trees not that i mean <laughs> not that that's friendly but it's friendly but it's not like she's not coming at you with no her. it's not aggressive or yeah. threatening oh, yeah. i mean i wonder if there was just a crazy woman in the trees I standing mean, in the trees and listen, they didn't help her <laughs> they like, just ignore excuse her excuse me i that's what you don't hear the half of the the tape is cut off because she's like she's just asking me, for help sir, i really i i crashed my car and i need you to call someone yeah and like do you hear something <laughs> i think we've caught a ghost and she's like sir please my leg is broken yeah she's I need like, your help. please help <laughs> 
<laughs> well, okay, wrap it up, guys. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to talk about a singular haunting for my story. I'm another going to telling- lighthouse. Yes, another lighthouse. But the lighthouse itself is the ghost. Um, <laughs> it's made out of flesh. Yep. That's why it screams. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about Nellie Butler, America's first ghost, reportedly. In 1796, Eleanor Nellie Butler. I feel like Butler, there should have been more ghosts. I know. So. It seems really late for there to not have been any ghosts. I feel like... But, like, there was that whole craze with witches and stuff like that. Before that, people just thought of them as probably, like, angels or, like, Something images like from God. You know what yeah. I mean? I really think that this is more of a first recorded haunting. Yeah. There was so, that same woman from my story who was like, excuse me, I've seen a ghost. Yeah. And they're like, ma'am, we're not doing this right now. She's like, no. I've seen one. You're not part of this. <laughs> I can't. This isn't you right now. This so, isn't about you. <laughs> so in 1796, Nellie was living with her husband, boat captain George Butler, in Sullivan, Maine, where there are a bunch of lighthouses. Ooh, sexy, a boat captain. Yep. That year, Nellie tragically died in childbirth at the age of 22. So her yeah, child, I have a child. I know, and her child died as well, so like neither oh. of them made it out of this. George Butler mourned his wife for three years. On August 9th, 1799, 46-year-old Abner Blaisdell was at his home in Sullivan near Taunton Bay when he began hearing strange noises coming from his cellar. Here's a question. Mm -hmm. Why aren't people named Abner anymore? I don't know. I kind of like it. It's like an old-timey name. Yeah, Abner. I like it too. No one's yeah. named Abner. We've kind of lost lost the Abners of the world, haven't we? Well, if either of us have kids, no matter if they're girls or boys, we should name Abner. them all Abner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is my daughter, Abner. <laughs> so first he heard the sound of someone knocking, and he thought it was strange, but he kind of chalked it up to the wind or animals or just unstable early American construction because they had to do everything with their hands and no machines. Not one machine. Nope, without one machine. They put on a shirt that said, I am the dishwasher. You know, like (laughs) mad house moms. Yeah. He, (laughs) I'm like mad house moms too. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was all done by hand, so it was a little shaky. In December, his teenage daughter Lydia fell extremely ill. She became bedridden and seemed to be close to death. From her room, she heard knocking sounds emanating from the basement, just like her father had. She asked her father, (laughs) someone just knocking on the wrong door of the house. Um, (laughs) She asked her father to check the cellar and he found no source of the noise. The religious Mm. Abner didn't want to take any chances and gathered the whole family to pray. Abner asked God to make the noises stop if they were unholy. The whole family then began hearing the knocking noises, which indicated to him that they were holy. So it's fine. Um, (laughs) no this seems right yeah okay then let them let them roll if they're from god is it god or the devil and it's like a voice that's like no it's not me the devil yeah it's not me i swear (laughs) abner and his daughter heard a voice coming from the basement but when they went to find the source they couldn't pinpoint its origin because it seemed to come from different areas at different moments this went on for almost a month Then the voice told the family that it would appear to them soon and that it had been sent by God to carry out a mission. On January 2nd, 1800, the spirit finally appeared. It said, 
I'm the dead wife of Captain George Butler, born Nellie Hooper. Which and is they were like, like, okay, whoa, take yeah, a step back. Baby. I, like, but like, I also don't think I would be like, I'm the dead wife of blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, my name is Nellie Hooper. Like, <laughs> also, yeah, you're a ghost. Duh, you're dead. Oh, yeah, God, true. So embarrassing for her. <laughs> Stating the obvious. The ghost told the witnesses that she wanted her widower, George, to marry Abner Blysdale's daughter, Lydia, who was 15 years old at the time. So and old George enough. Butler. Yeah, and George Butler was 29. So, first of all, he was already older than Nellie when they got married. Mm-hmm. And now he's almost 30 and she wants him to marry someone who is half his age. It's like, yeah, sure. This is what a ghost would come back for. Yeah. So she's got to yeah. make sure her husband gets it. Yeah. Gets with a teenager. Yes. That's what we all hope for, for after we've passed. <laughs> Nellie said, quote, the parties must and would be joined. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. In fact, George had taken an interest in Lydia in the years after Nellie's death. Creepy. When it became apparent that George was attempting to court Lydia, Abner Blysdale had objected to the vast age difference and prevented George from continuing this pursuit. Good call. Right? Even for this period, it's like, okay, even you know that this is weird. Yeah, we all know this is not Not right. Abner was a very religious man, and his beliefs influenced his decision to stop Lydia from marrying George. Because all of the families in town knew one another, word spread about Lydia and George's relationship, and the townspeople took Abner's side. But when Nellie's spirit appealed to him as an agent of God, Abner relented and turned in favor of the marriage. Abner filled Lydia in about the ghost's orders. Lydia was hesitant and told them that she didn't want to get married and that this decision should not be made just because a spirit said it should. Nellie's ghost then appeared to Lydia and comforted her and reassured her that marrying George was what God wanted. (laughs) I know you want to make the choice, but nobody cares what you want. Yes. Just do it. Fuck up, baby. You've got nothing to plan. (laughs) A blizzard had arrived in Sullivan, but despite the harsh conditions, Abner and Lydia sought out George and George's father to tell them about Nellie's spirit and her wishes for George and Lydia. George's father was also against his son marrying a teenager, and after hearing the Blysdale story, he turned Abner away. But after processing the information and taking into account the fact that Abner had braved such dangerous conditions to get to the butler home, he began to reconsider. Yeah, he's just like, listen, if he walked through snow, he's got to be telling the truth, right? (laughs) Abner Blysdale knew of Nellie and that her father, David Hooper, lived a few miles from the Blysdale home. So he sent for him. Hooper didn't believe that his deceased daughter magically appeared in the home of a stranger, but still he walked five miles to the Blysdell home in a snowstorm to see for himself. It's so many miles to not be sure. I know, but I guess, like, I see where he's coming from, where it's like, I miss my daughter so much. Like, if they say... Yeah, I might as well. At the end, you get a big, huge, fuck you, I told you so, I told you it wasn't real, I'm right, you're wrong. True. It's like after that, they must owe him something like a goat, right? Yeah, <laughs> Just for I would wasting say at his least time. one goat. Yeah. yeah. I think that's goat worthy. <laughs> it is it is goat worthy. So Abner took Hooper down into his cellar and the voice of Nellie Butler appeared again. 
According to her father, the spirit answered questions and said things that convinced him that the spirit was undeniably that of his daughter. Nellie urged her father to talk with George, and so he set out again in the storm. Just a little while after David Hooper left the house, Paul Blysdell, Abner's son, was walking through the fields on the family's 100-acre property when an apparition appeared and began floating behind him. Paul reported that he began running to his home to escape the ghost, but it chased him. Later that <laughs> night, <Come back! laughs> yeah, it's just fucking floating, chasing you at high speeds. It's is really crazy. hard to run as a ghost. <laughs> the, the wind is working against me. Please. <laughs> Later that night, the voice from the cellar scolded Paul for running from her and not greeting her earlier that day. <laughs> Rude. You dick. (laughs) Then George Butler and his friend arrived at the home with David Hooper. George was also convinced fairly quickly that the spirit was that of Nellie Butler. The ghost reminded George that when they were together in life, she had once told him that if anything happened to her, she wouldn't blame him for finding a new wife. Which, like, What a weird thing to say. Yes. No, I have told Mike that he has to be alone forever if anything happens to me. Well, also, it's just like... It sounds like you're planning for your death. It really does. But so she had said that she believed she wouldn't live a long life, which turned out to be true, but still super convenient. Yeah, I just feel like also I just that's a weird way to word it. Like if anything happens to me, it's not like you're dying of cancer and you're like, okay, it comes to terms with it. I'm 24. You're young, too. Mm -hmm. You can remarry. I love you very much. I'm like you're a healthy 23 year old or whatever. And you're like, I just feel like time is not on my side. Yeah. And it's like, why are we having this discussion? Yeah. Um, So while talking with George, Nellie conjured the image of an infant and held it in her arms. George reached out to touch the child, but his hand slipped through it. David Hooper reported his belief that the ghost was Nellie to George's father, who finally relented and gave his approval to Abner Blysdale. Both men agreed that if this union was God's will, then the marriage would go forward, even though neither fully approved of the match. When the news of the engagement got out, the people of Sullivan were not supportive. They were what? still yeah, they were still staunchly team alive Nellie and thought that the marriage of a 15-year-old to a 30-year-old was gross even for the early 1800s. They were right. They were. Nellie's sister went to the Blysdell house to see the spirit for herself. When the ghost spoke, Nellie's sister recognized the voice of her sister, though it was not her natural voice. The spirit sounded as Nellie had in her final hours when she was dying. So basically, she had sick voice. Yeah, like, it was low. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Meh. <laughs> it's just, it's just like a goblin's voice. She died of voice. giving birth, so I feel yeah. like she wouldn't have a weird voice. She was, if she was, like, sick and she had been screaming and pushing and, you know, all that shit. Over the course of a month, word of Nellie Butler's ghost had spread throughout Maine. Abner Blysdell invited skeptical guests into his home to witness the haunting for themselves. Before every appearance, all of the candles in the cellar were blown out. Then, the knocking would begin to signal the impending appearance. One witness said, quote, At first, the apparition was a mere mass of light. Then it grew into a personal form, about as tall as myself. We stood in two ranks, about four or five feet apart. Between these ranks, she slowly passed and repassed, so that any of us could have handled her, and the glow from the apparition had a constant, tremulous motion. At last, the personal form became shapeless, expanded every way, and then vanished in a moment. So she exploded like a star, pretty much. 
that's fun yeah it is it's a that's one way <laughs> to make an exit yeah yeah listen she has a flair for the dramatic and we respect it don't we all we do then in march of 1800 nelly's spirit retreated she wasn't seen again until May, when 20 people crammed themselves into Blysdale's basement. Nellie reappeared, and Abner asked the spirit why she only manifested in the cellar. She responded that she didn't want to appear in the main house where children might see her and become scared, as Paul had when she appeared to him. Over the next six months, over 100 people traveled to the Blysdale house to witness the apparition. A local pastor named Reverend Abraham Cummings, a self-proclaimed skeptic, attended one gathering and recorded what he saw. He wrote, quote, Surrounded by a bright light, at first her form was no bigger than that of a toad. Cummings watched as the apparition grew to the full size of the young woman. He interviewed 31 witnesses to the haunting and compiled their accounts in a book titled this title is horrible. Immortality proved by the testimony of sense in which considered the doctrine of specters and the existence of a particular specter. Yeah, I fell asleep while reading like that. Like what? <laughs> it may, it's just a word jumble. It's not like, like I wouldn't buy it on the shelf of Barnes and Noble. No, absolutely not. It's not very eye-catching. He really wasn't great at marketing himself or his work, so, you know. Yeah. The, the ghost of Nellie Butler began proselytizing. In August, a group of spectators gathered in the Blysdale's basement to hear Nellie speak. She gave a sermon to the crowd and confronted members of the audience who had openly questioned the validity of the haunting. Unlike residual hauntings, Nellie was completely in control of her faculties and engaged in conversation with many people on a variety of subjects. She would announce when she would appear next and invite spectators to try to touch her. Nellie never appeared in the places... Touch me! <laughs> yeah. I'm so lonely! Come, do it! You won't be able to. That's basically <laughs> she's daring them. I picture it having a uh, aggressive quality to it, her invitations. Yeah. Um, so she never appeared in the houses she had inhabited in life. So like her father's house, her home with George, she never appeared in those basements. The Blysdale cellar, where she appeared most often, had a window and a door to the back of the house. Some thought that the ghost could be an elaborate trick and that the person impersonating Nellie might hide and emerge from this window or the door. People tried to recreate the haunting to prove its inauthenticity. Mm -hmm. The ghost was seen wearing different outfits and sometimes carrying the infant. She would also sometimes order everyone to leave the cellar before appearing. A member of the Blysdale family was always there to aid the spirit's appearance. Some spectators insisted that Nellie's voice was actually that of Lydia Blysdale. When oh. someone would mention this, Nellie would send Lydia away and keep talking. The ghost talked about her life and other topics to prove her authenticity. George Butler corroborated many of the things Nellie said. She told Abner Blysdale that his father, who lived in York, England, was in heaven. Abner became suspicious because, as far as he knew, his father was alive. Then, several dun, dun, days dun. later, Abner received a letter stating that his father had died seven days before Nellie had relayed that information. Ugh, so now she's prediction crazy. shit. Unless she is a real person and she killed his father. <laughs> that too. She went all the way across the ocean and back just in time <laughs> for her seven o'clock performance. Yeah. Yeah. Some thought that the whole haunting was just a hoax perpetrated by the Blysdale family to convince George Butler to marry Lydia. The Butler family owned a sawmill and were very prominent and wealthy members of the community. They had an estate called Point Butler where Lydia and George were married. 
People began accusing Lydia of using witchcraft and fraud to arrange this very beneficial marriage. Lydia had spent the most time in the cellar out of anyone in the Blaisdell family because her main chore was sorting and picking wool, which could take days at a time. So she would be in there all day sorting wool. Oh my god. I know, it's the worst <laughs> The worst. And also, I don't know why you would store your wool in a basement. It seems like a bad place because it's damp. Yeah. And I mean, what are you? You don't need to be in a basement. No one needs to do things in a basement. There's no light. It's get a fucking shed outside. Like, yeah, what the hell? So during this period, Lydia was getting cold feet about the marriage. She told her friends that she planned to escape by stowing away on a ship to England where she had relatives. However, she finally got up the courage to break off the engagement with George. Nellie's spirit confronted Lydia in front of others and told her that if she were to run away, quote, her afflictions would sail with her. Lydia relented and agreed to marry George. So he's going to, like, follow her? Well, I think she means that, like, the ghost will follow her and, like, maybe her illness Um, It's kind of a threat. Yeah. On May 28th, 1800, George Butler and Lydia Blaisdell were married, like I said, at Point Butler. The day after, Nellie's ghost appeared again and predicted that Lydia and George would have one child together, but that Lydia would meet the same fate that Nellie did and was to die soon after giving birth. Throughout Mm. August... Yeah. Throughout August, over 100 people visited the cellar to see Nellie. On one occasion, a local who had been voicing his opinion about town that the spirit was demonic came to see Nellie. She put him on blast and told him, quote, (laughs) You have often said that I am a devil or a witch. I am from above, praising God and the Lamb. She would often break into song and sing hymns. On August 9th, a group of skeptics descended into the basement. They accused the Blaisdells of faking the haunting and showed that they could copy the knocking sounds, which is literally anyone can knock on things. Good yeah, job. I mean, knocking's not that hard. No. Abner Blaisdell threw the visitors out of his home. But one of these skeptics, named Paul Simpson, returned later to investigate the haunting. Abner allowed Paul to search the basement freely, and he locked himself in the basement after making sure that he was alone. Soon, Nellie appeared. Her specter first seemed to be around five feet tall, but grew larger as she approached Paul. Then she shrank down to only one foot tall and disappeared. On August 14th, 47 people came to see Nellie. One skeptical witness asserted that the ghost wasn't real because she never appeared outside of basements, which again, she was like, I don't want to scare children, bitch. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. At around one in the morning, Nellie instructed the crowd to walk to outspoken critic James Miller's house two miles away. She told them to walk in pairs and to sing the 84th Psalm on the way. She assured them that she would follow. Some reported seeing the spirit at the end of the line, and some didn't. Nellie then appeared in Miller's basement. When she was done proclaiming her authenticity, she appeared outside of the home to lead the group back. Lydia and Nellie walked side by side at the front of the line and sang hymns together. This was to show that she could appear outside of basements and that Lydia was not Nellie. Mm -hmm. Around this time, Nellie requested that her deceased child be exhumed and reburied with her body. 80 people came to witness this body relocation, which is like, I guess you pack a lunch and go. Something to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's no TV. No, and it's a little tamer than going to watch an execution, I suppose. That's true. Um, We just want to see a dead baby body. 
After the child was placed beside her in the earth, Nellie began appearing less frequently. In March of 1801, just 10 months after the wedding, Lydia died in childbirth and subsequently joined the Dead Wives Club, just as Nellie's ghost had predicted. George Butler collected his dead wife's belongings and put them on a small rowboat, which he set afloat on the ocean and burned Viking style. Good. (laughs) Good move. Abner Blysdale found this to be extremely offensive to his daughter's memory. Abner got George excommunicated from the local church for this act, which divided the members of the congregation and ultimately led to the end of the church altogether. Abner would hold a grudge against George for 17 years. George remarried, and his third wife gave birth to four children successfully. Oh, my gosh. Well, at least there's that. Which is like, now I'm imagining Lydia and Nellie as like either the matchmakers for George, where they get to pick the next wife, or like the evil exes from Scott Pilgrim, where you have to fight them. Yeah, or like um, members of the Bad Girls Club. Yes, exactly. Like now they're (laughs) together in the afterlife, just controlling everything from the grave. It's awesome. So Nellie's ghost was last seen by Reverend Cummings, the one who had written the book with the horrible title. Mm -hmm. In 1806, Nellie appeared at Cummings' home. She first manifested in the fields as a ball of white light and then approached him quickly in her human form. He actually said that he looked outside and thought it was like a white rock. And then it started floating. Hmm. He was like, oh, that's not a rock. That can't be a rock. Yeah. After visiting with Cummings, she disappeared and was never seen again. Hundreds of witnesses believe that Nellie Butler had returned from the dead to deliver messages to the living. Even though there were countless skeptics, the haunting was never proven to be false. Some point to this as the catalyst for American spiritualism, and many believe the ghost of Nellie Butler to be the first recorded ghost in American history. Finn. (laughs) Finn. Finn. Um, So yes, that is the story of Nellie Butler and how she tried to arrange her ex's marriage from beyond the grave. Well, look, she seems fun. Yes, at least she's not bitter about it. She, Yeah, she's certainly not bitter. No, no one can claim that. <laughs> so those were our hauntings. Take two. And we will be back for our next episode with serial killers, which will be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's real nasty. Love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Um, and also from where I am, so... Also, hometown That's pride. Excellent. Yes. He also looks like Santa, which we will talk about. Ho, ho, ho. Yep. <laughs> That is ironic. <laughs> I think that's it. We are Helen High Horror on everything except Twitter. On Twitter, we're Hell High Horror. I am Austin Castelli on everything. I am Reparata Ann on everything. You can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Helen High Horror and you get a fun size episode every month at least. We're going to be better about that. We're going to store some. And that's for that's the, the base tier, the $1 a month. You get those. Um, if you... Bump it up to $5, you get those in ad-free episodes. If you bump it up to 10 you get all of that stuff. You get a postcard from us, and you get monthly shout-outs on the podcast and possible yeah. free merch when we, whenever we get it in. So, yeah, um, I think that's it, right? I think so. Okay, we will see y'all in two weeks. Yeah! Okay, Woo. happy hauntings, everyone. Bye! Bye. <laughs>